first-rate preacher. Then why don't you, why don't you? Her voice rang with defiance. If I were a man, nothing would stop me. She held her head erect. He was rather timid before her. But my father's so stiff-necked. He means to put me into the business, and I know he'll do it. But if you're a man, she had cried. Being a man isn't everything, he replied, frowning with puzzled helplessness. Now, as she moved about her work at the bottoms with some experience of what being a man meant, she knew that it was not everything. When she was twenty-three years old, she met at a Christmas party a young man from the Erewash Valley. Morel was then twenty-seven years old. He was well set up, erect, and very smart. He had wavy black hair and a vigorous black beard. His cheeks were ruddy, and his red, moist mouth was noticeable because he laughed so often and so heartily. He had that rare thing, a rich, ringing laugh. Gertrude Coppard had watched him, fascinated. He was so full of colour and animation, so ready and so pleasant with everybody. She herself was opposite. She had a curious, receptive mind which found much pleasure and amusement in listening to other folk. She loved ideas and was considered very intellectual. What she liked most of all was an argument on religion or philosophy or politics with some educated man. This she did not often enjoy, so she always had people tell her about themselves, finding her pleasure so. In her person she was rather small and delicate, with a large brow and dropping bunches of brown silk curls. Her blue eyes were very straight, honest and searching. She had the beautiful hands of the coppards. Her dress was always subdued. She wore dark blue silk with a peculiar silver chain of silver scallops. This, and a heavy brooch of twisted gold, was her only ornament. She was still perfectly intact, deeply religious, and full of beautiful candour. Walter Morell seemed melted away before her. She was to the miner that thing of mystery and fascination, a lady. When she spoke to him it was with a purity of English which thrilled him. She watched him. Gertrude Coppard watched the young miner as he danced, a certain subtle exultation like glamour in his movement. She thought him rather wonderful, never having met anyone like him. Gertrude herself was rather contemptuous of dancing. She had not the slightest inclination towards that accomplishment. She was Puritan, like her father, high-minded. The dusky, golden softness of this man's sensuous flame of life seemed to her something wonderful, beyond her. He came and bowed above her. Her warmth radiated through her as if she'd drunk wine. Now do come now this one with me, he said. It's easy, you know. I'm pining to see you dance. She glanced at his humility and smiled. It moved the man so that he forgot everything. No, I won't dance, she said softly. Not knowing what he was doing, he sat beside her, inclining reverentially. But you mustn't miss your dance, she reproved. Nay, I don't want to dance that. It's not one as I care about. Yet you invited me to it. He laughed very heartily at this. I never thought of that. That not long in taking curl out to me. You don't look as if you'd come much uncurled, she said. I'm like a pig's tail, I curl because I can help it. He laughed rather boisterously. And you are a miner, she exclaimed in surprise. Yes, I went down when I was ten. She looked at him in wondering dismay. When you were ten?
ten. And wasn't it very hard? she asked. Oh, you soon get used to it. You live like the mice and you pop out at night to see what's going on. It makes me feel blind, she frowned. Like a Mordiwarp, he laughed. Hey, and there's some chaps as dig around like Mordiwarps. She looked at him, startled. This was a new tract of life. She realised the life of the miners, hundreds of them toiling below earth. He seemed to her noble. He risked his life daily and with gaiety. She looked at him with a touch of appeal in her pure humility. The next Christmas they were married, and for three months she was perfectly happy. For six months she was very happy. They lived, she thought, in his own house. It was small but convenient enough, and quite nicely furnished with solid, worthy stuff that suited her on his soul. Sometimes, when she herself wearied of love talk, she tried to open her heart seriously to him. She saw him listen deferentially, but without understanding.